In this episode, we have Aaron O'Brien, Wish alum and chapter supporter. Aaron's wish was granted back in 1990 to go to Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Here is Aaron O'Brien. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wish House podcast. Our guest in this episode is Wish Kid and Wish alum, Aaron, uh, who uh, was granted a wish by our chapter back in 1990, which we'll get into in a little bit. Aaron, welcome to the Wish House podcast. Thank you, Abe. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you on. Would you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you're up to? Where are you now? Because you no longer live in New York State, right? No, I don't. Um, I went to college at the University of Rhode Island and kind of never left, (laughs) never left New England. So I live in um, Millis, Massachusetts. Uh, I've been living in Massachusetts now for, gosh, since 2007. So it's been a while. (laughs) Let's just dive right in, because I mean, I, I've been itching to t- really kind of get into this with you. Um, your wish was granted back in March of 1990. Um, what do you think about that? Because <laughs> it's been 30 years since your wish was granted, and it's very rare, quite honestly, that we get to connect on our on a chapter level with a lot of our wish alum that have, were granted wishes in the late 80s you know, early 90s. There are not many that we really have been able to stay in contact with, but you're one of the few, one of the handful that we've been able to stay in contact with after all those years. Um, first of all, I mean, tell me a little bit about, if you remember anything of that time period, how was it when you first were uh, visited by Wish Granters? You know, how did you kind of come about with the idea of wanting to have a Disney wish as your um, most heartfelt wish? Um, that's a great question. Since it was so long ago, I really don't remember a lot of the details. Um, I know my first wish being a six-year-old girl was wanting a horse. (laughs) Um, but they weren't sure if I was going to be able to take care of that horse if something happened to me. My prognosis, um, wasn't great. So they wanted to make sure that I had a wish that I could thoroughly enjoy um necessarily having horse wasn't ideal but as well um and then I think you know I came to the realization that like all right if I can't have a horse um I'll go to Disney like I always loved Disney World and was always a big fan of Mickey and Minnie and you know I was there I think when I was three so this would be like my second time going to actually remember the trip um, and yeah, I just, I remember, I think meeting with wish granters, but, you know, showing them my toys and stuff. And, uh, and then when it came time for my wish, the limo picked this up in my driveway. And I know that I have a picture of me and my, as it is 1990s, um, my fluorescent magenta suit <laughs> with like a velour baseball hat with, um, like jewels on it. So I remember being super fancy and picked up by that. And I think we arrived at Give Kids the World when it was just being built. So a lot of it wasn't finished yet. So I remember the the roads were dirt roads. Um, They had a pirate ship, which we can go fishing off of. I went with my mom and my dad. And then my aunt, my uncle, and my two cousins lived in Georgia. So they were actually you know, they could drive and they stayed 
at a hotel close by and they actually participated in the wish with me. Um, and I was just so floored. And as, you know, being so young, what I remember is, is driving in that car. I don't remember anything about the airport. I remember the limo because it was amazing. Um, driving from the airport to give kids the world, the dirt roads, going into our house and there being ice cream in the fridge, nothing but ice cream <laughs> and a Mickey and Minnie phone. And I thought that was the most amazing and coolest thing ever. Oh, they gave us a camcorder that's, you know, not like this, but, you know, a hunk of a thing um, and a few tapes so we can record our adventures on the camcorder, which I still have the VHS of. Which we have to get those digitized for you before the uh, the tape on those <laughs> VHS uh, disintegrates. Disintegrates. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because yeah. you mentioned something really um, something that we talk about that because prior to doing the marketing stuff for the chapter, I, I obviously I used to do all the recruitment for volunteers and training for volunteers. And one of the stories that your mom used to share all the time during our wish grinder trainings was when you arrived at Give Kids the World, you, they had um, something with creamsicle popsicle sticks. Does that sound familiar to you? Mm -hmm. I loved creamsicles. <laughs> yeah. So she shares the story of how the entire freezer in Give Kids the World was just stocked full of creamsicle popsicles for you. Um, <laughs> and how that was just one of those like detailed touches that one that resonated with her so much so that after so many years, she shared it all the time about how to focus on those details of enhancements on wishes, which really helped propel the entire experience just with those very simple touches that seem small on the surface, but actually are really uh, leave a mark on the child's memory sometimes with wishes even years later. Do you have, can you share a little bit about oh, the creamsicle sure. popsicle story at all about the freezer and everything? How was it when you opened it? Was it like spilling out of there or how did it look? I just remember, I mean, I just remember being a kid and you know as you're a kid you're always told to eat your vegetables eat your fruit you know don't have too much sugar too much candy and being there and everything was just ice cream and I could have it um I don't remember the flavors exactly all I remember is like my mom telling me to look in the freezer and it was just chalk filled with ice cream um I don't exactly remember if it was creamsicles, I think I was just blown away by the fact that I could have one right then and there. <laughs> and then even going to the ice cream bar, um, they had that then still at, at Gig Gives the World. And you could have ice cream in the morning, afternoon or night. And I just thought that was that was great. And, you know, we not only went to Disney World, but I think we also went to Epcot. We went to SeaWorld when it just opened. Um, and I remember, I think we went to like a, a show with Knights, I forget, like Knights at the Round Table or something. And I just remember, um, you know, like the vendors walking around with different toys. And of course, you know, as a kid, you always want all the toys that the vendors had. Um, you know, your parents always said no. And the girl next to me asked her dad for one. And he said no. And then I asked and my mom and dad said yes. And I was like, 
Really? So I remember getting like a silver and gold Minnie Mouse that I, you know, that just sparked my interest. And I got that and I ended up getting um, at Disney World a blue princess hat that was, you know, so expensive. And but since we had that that money that Make-A-Wish gave us, like gift money that you can get anything that you wanted there. My one my one wish was to get that sparkly blue princess hat. And again, I asked and I got it. And I was just so blown away. (laughs) And it was such a treasured item. I absolutely adored that thing for years. I just I thought I was so cool. (laughs) One of the cool things that I, I remember, I mean, I wasn't around for your wish, like working on the staff. Um, but one of the things I remember about your wish years later is you did some really beautiful artwork, a drawing of your kind of as a memory of your wish. And we actually used your artwork for, um, you know, did like our newsletter and we shared it as part of what we call wish art that we share with donors. And we, we shared it for many, many years. I recall, you know, as early as 2007. So that, that love for art and, and, and your wish, obviously, um, you know, is one of the things that, you know, for at our chapter, I mean, this podcast is in celebration of our 35 year anniversary. And you're a perfect example of how wish kids, one, had their wishes granted, you know, to, by our chapter, but two, how you kind of continue to pay it forward, you know, along the way, you know, you started first with that drawing that you did that we then shared with our donors, you know, it continues on even fast forward to today, you know, you sharing your experience, you know, on this podcast, imagine, 30 years ago, we never thought that we would have that podcast would even be a thing. <laughs> and now podcasts are a thing and, and storytelling. <laughs> Back in the day, storytelling was a picture that a kid drew and us sharing that with some mm-hmm. with, a, with some verbiage that, you know, we shared in a newsletter. And does it feel like it's been 30 years for you? I mean, yes and no. <laughs> 30 years is a very long time. And I, I hate to say that it's been 30 years, um, but just, you know, it, it helped uh, going back in 2016, I was able to go to Disney World again with my husband, their very dear friend. And uh, I was able to visit Give Kids the World, you know, 25-ish years later. And uh, I was just lucky enough that, you know, they let us in. And uh, I relived my ice cream memory dream. We got ice cream <laughs> at the parlor. And it was just, it changed so much, but it brought back so many memories. Uh, that I haven't really thought about for, you know, 20 to 30 years. I was lucky enough to go through the archives and Make-A-Wish and, and find the original thank you letter that my mom sent in um, with that glorious picture of me in the pink suit <laughs> outside of her house in the limousine. Um, so that was just amazing that, you know, I found that letter 25, 30 years later. Um, and they actually took a picture of me holding the book, pointing to my letter. And that's actually one of those things that you know a lot of our families currently that they don't realize is that they can, as, for those that have gone to Disney World and have stayed at Give Kids the World, um, one of the things that Give Kids the World does is they always invite those kids um, to be able to come back. You know, And for those that are listening that may not know a lot about Give Kids the World, Give Kids the World is a non-for-profit that's based out of Kissimmee, Florida, and they um, host our families whenever we send families there. And it's one of the great things that they've been able to, that we've been able to partner with them for so many years, uh, 30 years since 1990, um, you know, at least. And it's one of those amazing things, stories where, you know, our partnership has just continued to grow and grow and flourish over the years. 
And we've had kids like yourself, young adults, and that have been able to go back many years after and find remnants of their experience um, even so many years later. For example, one of the unique things that Give Kids the World does, which I would love if you could share the story of, of how um, whenever a kid goes there, they always are encouraged to um, you know, put their name on a star and put it in their tower, their star tower. Um, and you had that experience, right? I did. And I really didn't know that was a thing until um, they took me on a tour again. Because again, when I went, it was just being built. So all I remember is our house and fishing off of a pirate ship. I don't I don't remember a lot thereafter, just because during the day we're in the parks. Um, but yeah, I was able to get a tour. My mom was working still for Make-A-Wish at the time, and she contacted this woman. And this woman was expecting me and, and knew of my last name and knew my mom. And she connected the dots. And she was able to bring us to that, that tower, that special, like, magical tree. And um, they made a star for me. And it was, it was great to have a star made, you know, 30 years later after my wish was granted. And, you know, now I'm forever embodied in their star tower. So that was, that was really special, too. That's fantastic. And, and you mentioned your mom and we kind of teased it in the beginning. Um, you know, your mom started working with our chapter and she just recently retired after 14 years as a wish coordinator at Make Wish Hudson Valley. How was it for you kind of seeing it from the outside so many years after your wish had been granted at that point when she started working at Make Wish? How was it for you when you found out that she was going to start working at the chapter that helped grant your wish? I mean, I thought it was amazing. Um, when I was a kid, you know, after being diagnosed, you know, cancer and, and make a wish and, you know, the hospital is really all that I knew. And as growing up, I kind of wanted to pull away from that. But, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, I was, you know, I wanted to kind of revisit that part of my life, but not in the same way. So like when I found out that my mom was going to have a job at make a wish, you know, I I was astounded. I was, you know, very thankful and, and she'd be great at it and she'd bring a different perspective. And, you know, I was kind of getting into that kind of line of work as well, whether it be a volunteer um, or I was a counselor at the whole in the wall gang camps for a number of years. Uh, so I worked with kids with life threatening illness. So like that was my way of, of giving back to what I received. And I think that was in a way what my mom wanted to do as well. That's fantastic. And tell me a little bit about your experience at, at uh, Hole in the Wall Gang Camp, which is actually um, Paul Newman's not-for-profit, correct? Yeah, non-for-profit. Um, there's many all over the world. I was lucky enough to go to uh, two of them in the United States, one in New York and one in Connecticut. And I went to the one in Connecticut for a number of years. Um, and I was a junior counselor and a counselor for in Connecticut for five summers. And then I worked one summer in uh, his camp in California. Um, and it was, it was absolutely amazing. It was such an amazing experience. And I wish I had the energy uh, to do another 10 days at camp. <laughs> you try to give back as much as you receive, but I think you, you get out of it so much more, which is in a way unfair. <laughs> you know, that actually kind of leads, kind of going back a little bit, um, to the beginning of your whole kind of make-a-wish uh, journey, you know, what got, what, what you, you mentioned it before with cancer, you know, what was your condition that made you eligible to receive a wish? And, and since uh, obviously through the treatment that you received as a child, how are you today? 
Um, how are how are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm, I'm looking at you. You look great. So um, how you. are you doing? You know, after all these years. So I'm doing really well. You know, I've I've hit a few snags along the road. Um, just with being an adult, you know, childhood cancer survivor, there is things that the medical professionals don't know the side effects yet. So I'm we're kind of figuring it out together. Um, generally I've been very healthy. I, I was unfortunately diagnosed um, with a brain tumor a few years ago and I had that removed and it was, it was very successful. And I was diagnosed with something else a couple months later and then had that removed and that was successful. So apparent, apart from those, you know, kind of big hiccups, uh, my health has been great. And, you know, this year I can, I'm happy to say that I'm in the best health that I've been in for quite a few years. Um, so I'm just happy that, you know, I'm blessed with the family and friends and the close-knit uh, medical medical community that I'm a part of. You know, so I love that you mentioned that because, you know, I kind of feel the same way. Also, as a long-term pediatric cancer survivor, um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. You know, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm sure you feel the same way when you go back to your, you know, for your annual um, checkups and stuff like that. You're kind of not a guinea pig but you're almost an anomaly in a lot of ways. Um, and I feel that that's always the case when I go back for my annual checkups where they're like, they always think that I'm coming with my son for like his treatment or his follow-up. Mm -hmm. And then they realize that, wait, no, you are that, you were the patient from 30 years ago, you know, or 20 years ago, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed in 1998. <laughs> so it was kind of similar in that regard. Um, you know, so you know, having lung cancer at 15 years old and going through the treatment and, and, and all that, that at that point, all they're trying to do is figure out how to save your life, um, which is similar to you and, and what they were, you know, giving you radiation and, and chemo and all the, at the time, where were a lot of experimental things to be able to do for a child. Right. Um, yeah. And, and not knowing those long-term effects of it, uh, of what would happen afterwards, which can cause other things and other stuff and down the line, and you won't see it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so that's part of the reason why mm -hmm. I love that you, you were able to share a little bit about that, because that is always kind of for a survivor, always kind of in the back of your mind, like, oh, I got my checkup coming up. Oh, I'm hoping that everything is okay. And that's kind of always there covering, even though you live your life the mm -hmm. best way you can, and, and you kind of put it in the back burner and just kind of live your best life. But at the end of the day, that's that, that kind of fear is of, of something is always there in a weird way. Do you feel like that on your end? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely always in the back of my mind and PTSD. Um, and you know, every year you, I go through a series of appointments and you're always gearing up to handle it in the same way that you've always handled it. Kind of like not thinking about it until you actually get there. And then once you figure out, you know, good, bad, or in good, bad, or in between the test results, you'll just find a way to get through it. And, um, you know, I, I expect the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, this year, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm working on my, my care plan this year and I've already gotten rid of two specialists and it's like, awesome. <laughs> you know, I gained like three specialists <laughs> over the course of like the last five years and I got to get rid of two of them. That's awesome. Um, but you always have to, as growing older, you know, and as you said, going into appointments, having the treatment that you had 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was always experimental with children, especially back then. So you always have to be careful of the side effects that are really unknown. So, you know, having um, doctors ask you questions and having you be a part of the study, you know, it's 
it's a little scary, but if it's going to help someone else to avoid, you know, what you've necessarily been through, then poke and prod away. I feel exactly like you, you know, like we're lucky enough to still be here, you know, to, to live every day and to, you know, enjoy every moment that we have. So yeah, if it, if, if it's an inconvenience for me to have additional tests done or for have, or having additional visits to, to, to have to get accomplished to, like you said, helping another child um, down the line so that they can avoid that. Um, I'm all for it. So, and I think that mm -hmm. every wish alum that's in our age group, that's kind of been through something similar. Um, I think they would, they, they also agree with the same, you know, same thing. So, I'm, I'm so happy to be able to talk to somebody that's kind of been through it similar to myself because um, there aren't a lot of us that I'm aware of that, you know, are doing you know, so well after all this time. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really great. You have to be vigilant and vigilant and um, you just, you have to take care of yourself no matter how scary the initial phone call could be. And that's, that's what's helped. That's such a great point. Um, definitely staying on top of your annual checkups. You know, if you have, you know, uh, follow up, long term follow up care um, through your, you know, the hospital that you were treated at, that's extremely important. Um, you know, at, at a minimum, I think that's something that every child, you know, every wish a kid, wish alum, wish parent that may be listening to this podcast, we encourage you to do that um, because it's helped me out. I know it's helped you out to catch mm -hmm. things early um, if there is something. And also just to mm -hmm. kind of give you peace of mind that everything's okay. You know, um, mm -hmm. that's extremely important, um, especially in the long-term care for, for, for us as, as um, pediatric cancer survivors, but also for, you know, other pediatric conditions that uh, have some long-term effects um, as a result of the treatment that they receive. So that's really good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you could go back to yourself, you know, six years, when you were six years old, you know, what would you tell yourself about things to look forward to in the future? Basically, you know, you got this. <laughs> and, you know, don't, don't really sweat the small stuff, you know, you're going to go through some ups and downs, just like everyone else, but you're not that different. Um, and what makes you different makes you special. I love that, Erin. Um, awesome. So usually at this part of the, the podcast, I, I always like kind of going into the shooting star segment. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions where you say the first thing that comes to mind. And I know some of them may not be so easy to answer, and that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's what editing software is for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. But we'll start off first with your favorite Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley memory. Oh, that's a hard one because I have so many of when my mom worked there as well. I think one of the ones that stood out was I got to be a part of um, a gala when I was 24 years old. I got to volunteer back at the Hudson Valley uh, Make-A-Wish Gala and to be a volunteer, but also a formal wish child and to see my mom in action. That was super special. I remember running into people um, that I went to high school with. So it was just like totally surreal being back in New York, working at Make-A-Wish Gala, but also running into people that I went to high school with. And it was just world colliding. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I, you obviously have been connected to Make-A-Wish throughout all these years, you know, aside from your own wish, you know, what would you say has been a wish that you've seen granted for another child that you were like, wow, that's amazing. Whether you saw it, you heard about it through your mom or whether you saw it on TV through one of the many different stories that have been shared nationally. Um, what would be like a wish that you've heard about that you were like, that's an amazing wish. 
I actually heard a story today, but also uh, comes up in my mind was the the Batman wish, the kid that wanted to be Batman for a day. Um, And, you know, was greeted by all those, you know, community members, police officers that really made him Batman. Um, And that that was just amazing how not only Make-A-Wish made it happen, but everyone in the community was a part of it. The story today, I guess John Mulaney was on Saturday Night Live, I think, last Saturday and told of a wish uh, where a kid wanted to meet him. And, you know, he was just blown away that someone wanted to, you know, waste their wish on meeting him. And he took them to the set of Saturday Night Live and they ended up running into um, Lin-Manuel. And the kid was like, this is the best day of my life you know, my first wish was to meet Lin-Manuel and it it was, you know, not to meet John Mulaney, but you know, he, he kind of got a twofer in there or she got a twofer in there. So that was just a a funny story. Um, but those, yeah, the Batman wish, the wish that I was just told about today kind of just stood out in my memory. Yeah. And we'll make sure that in the show notes for those that are listening in, uh, we'll make sure to put some links into both of those stories because that Batman wish was a bat kid, wish was just amazing. And there's some really mm-hmm. great footage of that. And also there's really great footage of John Mullaney talking about that experience of um, granting this kid's wish and how he mentioned that, um, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda was the, his first actual wish. So it was hysterical. So in one word, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? Phenomenal. I like that because it, it is truly phenomenal. Um, and obviously you had an amazing wish experience and you, and you were able to even relive it then again, almost in a way in 2016 when you revisited, you know, Give Kids the World. But if you could have another wish, what would it be? And for those that are listening, just as a friendly reminder, we have five formal wish categories which are to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. So out of those five formal wish categories, Erin, which wish would you have? I'd love to go, but who knows when that will actually happen again. So I think um, I, I'd, I'd want to give my wish away to someone who would really need it. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, and, and I'll just end with this part, this last question. I mean, if you could... If, you, if someone came up to you from the community that um, that you're in or just someone reached out to you um, and asked you, hey, I want to volunteer for an organization, you know, wh- what would you tell them as far as uh, encouraging them to volunteer for our chapter, our Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley chapter? Um, what would be some of the things that you would let them know? I mean, to, to volunteer in, in any way, shape or form is just so nurturing for the soul. Uh, you're doing it hopefully to help so many other people, but you're getting so much back in return. Um, You're almost getting twice as much as you give in return. So, you know, you don't necessarily do it to make yourself feel better, but it does empower you to give more of that best part of yourself to help someone else in need. So since your wish was granted, um, obviously you've grown up, you're an adult, you're living your best life, you know, you, you mentioned before that you went to college in Rhode Island. You're living now in Massachusetts. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, you're also married, right? I am married. Yeah. Um, my husband and I uh, just celebrated in August our uh, six-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. 
that's another fun thing about Wish Alum when we reconnect after you know all these years since our wishes were granted. It's kind of seeing what we're up to now. You know, there's a, there's yeah. another Wish Alum, Brian, who we also have an episode that that we did with him on the podcast. He just mm-hmm. recently got married. Um, you know, so hearing these stories of Wish Alum that have grown up are living their best life. They're getting married. They're having kids. They're having. They have three dogs. You have a few dogs, actually, right? I have. I have one. She just came in back from her walk. She almost knocked me over. Um, but she's she's <laughs> probably wreaking havoc upstairs now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 a, a living testament to the power of a wish, which is you know it comes in during a time where it's you know very difficult, very uncertain our future. And we don't know what's going to happen, let alone 30 years later or a day later. Um, and here we are, you know, uh, doing the best we can every single day, especially during this period of time of a pandemic, which is just insane in itself um, with the fears of everything, especially kids like, you know, I say kids like us, um, but with pre-existing conditions, things that, you know, we dealt with that, you know, puts us at higher risk, you know, with a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff that's going on now. Um, so mm-hmm. it's always kind of there as a concern, but, but the thing that we, I think a lot of families that are listening into this podcast and a lot of wish kids that either are, have recently had their wishes granted or had their wishes granted in the last few years is that there is something later. I mean, life goes on, you know, you might not, you might travel the same highway as everyone else, but everyone gets off at different exits just because it's an end of the chapter doesn't mean it's the end of your book. And that's a perfect way to end this podcast episode, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing how Make-A-Wish has touched your life and how you're paying it forward and, and everything that you're doing. Thank you. My pleasure. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. And we also invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Let us know how we're doing and any questions you may want to add to our Shooting Stars segment. We're always open to hearing what you guys have to say. Special thanks to our executive producers for the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf, for helping me put the podcast together. Couldn't do it without their collaboration. And finally, from all of us here at the Wish House, thank you for joining us. Stay safe and stay healthy.